0: What's happening, No Sweat Evangelism podcast listeners? Fired up that you're with us again today. This is Levi Skipper. This is our podcast really designed to help you be encouraged to share the gospel on a regular basis. And I'm super excited this morning because we have in this series another pastor who's getting it done in evangelism, and that is Robbie Foster. Robbie, would you just say hello to everybody for us, brother?
1: Absolutely. Good morning. Excited to be with you and thankful for this opportunity. Appreciate the minutes we'll have together on the podcast today.
0: Definitely. I know Robbie just finished up being the president of the Georgia Baptist Convention and uh, has just done a phenomenal job down in Valdosta at Northside Baptist Church. And the Lord's really been blessing his ministry there. Just a little background for uh, everybody who may not know. Robbie and I got to know each other as he was pastoring a church in Northeast Georgia. Uh, I came to town and started pastoring a church as well, probably, I guess, what is was about 40 minutes from where you were? And uh, yeah, Rob, like I, I, I'll tell you this. I don't know if I've ever told you this before, Robbie, but you invited me uh, to coffee. And so uh, yep. we ended up meeting at Starbucks in Kroger because we lived in a small town. Yep. We didn't have standalone Kroger or uh, Starbucks. <laughs> but anyway, so I remember meeting with you, and you said something to me yeah. that I will never forget. You said, Levi, I want you to do well at your church. And you mentioned the yeah. concept, which was awesome. You said, uh, you know, every, when the tide rises, where the church, every church rises. And I just remember yeah. leaving that going, man, I, I don't know Robbie Foster from Adam, but I love Robbie Foster already because I sensed a <laughs> genuine desire that you actually had that I would do well. Where I was pastoring. Yes, man, I appreciate that. Yes, brother. I really do. I know that's your well, heart. Thank
1: you for sure. It well, really it, is, and I think churches all are are going to be help if if church is healthy, it should help other churches be healthy. That's exactly be great right for all of us.
0: That's exactly right, man. I just remember that, and want you to know that made an impression on me personally, because uh, obviously I was a young guy, I still am a young guy, in case people forget. But, <laughs> yeah, we're young. Um, yes. So, but I, I just remember thinking, man, that, that I, I want to be that kind of guy. That was that's how I left that meeting. I said, I, I want to be that kind of guy that's an encouragement to other pastors. So just just want to say publicly, you know, thank you, appreciate that insight that you gave me and the. encouragement encouragement. encouragement you gave as well. Well, listen, man, I got several questions I want to drop on you here. Not everybody knows your story of how you came to faith in Jesus. So just take a minute and kind of share that with those who are listening.
1: Well, uh, at age six, my dad suddenly passed away, had a heart attack, and uh, we were in church. And I began to ask a lot of questions. And um, my pastor came by my house at eight age eight, I've been asking my mom, where's dad? What, did he mm-hmm. go to heaven? What's mm-hmm. heaven? Da, da, da. My pastor was a, and I think I learned this, and this is what helped me be a pastor. He came to my house and shared the gospel. As an eight-year-old on my couch, prayed to receive Christ, mm-hmm. and was baptized the next Sunday, uh, April uh, 1972, at uh, Dewberry Baptist Church with 14 girls. So mm-hmm. me and 14 girls. <laughs> Not at the same time. I got you. <laughs> night, as, as a, as, in a revival. We, we started out a revival meeting that night and, you know, I was a young man, just a young Mm -hmm. eight year old kid. And I believe God called me to preach at age 12, but I ran (sighs) from that calling and I was 23 before I realized this was a surrender to the Lord, Mm -hmm. total surrender to God. And I knew I was saved Levi, Mm -hmm. but I really surrendered to, and I think this is one thing that happens in people. It's not just being saved. God wants us to be saved, go to heaven, obviously, and live with him eternally. But there's a surrender here to the, to the discipleship of Christ that God wants us to have a personal relationship with us. Yes, and so at age 23, I, was, uh, I went to my pastor, shared with him that God was calling me in ministry. I was rebaptized, not because I needed that to go to heaven, but in full surrender to God and death, burial, and resurrection. And man, my life just took off with serving God at that moment. So
0: I don't, I don't think I ever heard your salvation story. I didn't know that about your dad. Uh, It kind of rang a few things in my head though, because when I was uh, five, my older brother died and it's uh, the exact same questions you were asking about your dad were the questions I was asking about my brother. Where is he? Is he in heaven? How do you get there? I mean, all kinds of questions start flooding a little young kid's mind and it does kind of remind me too you know just and th- this is kind of an extra question here but throughout you know ministry in the church what we do discover oftentimes is that when people pass away uh in families that is a tremendous opportunity to come in and begin oh, to share gosh. the gospel have you seen that to be true
1: absolutely well and and I try to share the gospel at every funeral I do That's right. with passing on loved ones talking with them because heaven is right in front of you at that moment right. and eternity is right in front of you. And, and honestly, Levi, I believe people are delusional about eternity. Mm. You're going to be in eternity a lot longer than you're going to be on this earth. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and people are delusional about the fact that eternity is real and that you need to know where you're going to spend eternity with God. That's right. And but that's so important to what we do. How can we miss talking on that Sunday to Sunday? We can't.
0: Mm, that's a good word, man. Hey, tell me this. I know just from my, my experience with knowing you, I, I've seen a passion in your heart to reach people with the gospel. But tell us why. Like, what drives your passion?
1: <laughs> you know, it's I, I do. I love to see people say, but I'm going to just be honest with you, it was the first time I witnessed to somebody and saw them, God, and, and I, I saw them come to the Lord. And it just took one person being saved that fired me up. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it, that God would allow me to lead somebody to Christ. Yes, and man. people were just too afraid to share the gospel. Simple, where are you going to spend eternity? Just simple having a conversation with someone, and they got saved right there. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, there was a passion lit in me for evangelism that has never stopped.
0: That's good. You know,
1: if people would just one time win somebody to Christ, one time share, it would put a fire in them. That would change their life forever, and it's never changed. Somebody told me one time that fire would burn out. I, it is not burn out at all. It's burning up in me, man. <laughs> I'm <right>. telling you. <laughs> That's awesome,
0: man. Hey, you know, I, I've often likened it to eating potato chips. Man, you can only eat, you can't eat just one chip, right? You put one chip in your yeah. mouth, you're like, I got to eat the whole bag now. Same thing. You you uh, share I, the gospel yeah. with somebody, and it just puts something in you. It's like Thank I want to keep doing this. All right. So when you think about reaching people, is there somebody who's helped fan the flame of evangelism in your life in the past?
1: I had four real mentors in my life who have really, all of them were soul winners. Frank Cox spent, Oh, I don't know how much time with me in my early days of ministry. And he was a soul winner. Larry Wynn was a great soul winner who encouraged me, shared with me evangelism things one of the guys that lit my fire and continues to do that is I listen every time I can, I'm around the Moses, probably Johnny hunt and he just flat lays it in front of you, man. Mm -hmm. It's just, you can see it in him. And, uh, when I was in Gainesville at Hopewell Baptist church, there was a friend, Jim Austin was at Blackshire place Baptist church at that time. And he really day to day encouraged me, took me on my first mission trip to Russia. Saw a lot of people get saved, man, and he really walked me through a lot of that. And I do encourage pastors, get with some guys, listen to them, sit in their office, see the contagiousness of their witnessing. It sparks something in you also. And I know y'all do the SPARK conference. That's kind of like what that is, a little bit sparking someone. And I think that is important to have some guys in your life that keeps that fire ablaze.
0: Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. And, that, you know, for those of you who are listening, especially those who are pastors, I think that's a strong encouragement. We all need people in our lives who can be a source to really fan the flame of devotion in our life to Christ, but also to his mission of making disciples. So if you consider your own life, the question is, who are those two or three people that you have around you who are really encouraging you and helping lean you toward personal evangelism? I think that's tremendous. Yes. And I would say, Robbie, your personal evangelism is what probably drives your passion in the pulpit for evangelism. I've never I've never yes. met an evangelistic pastor from the pulpit who wasn't evangelistic in his life. Have you ever seen that that's to correct. be true?
1: <laughs> that's the only way I think it works is you're living out what you're preaching, you're preaching what you're living out. I heard it
0: once, too, and it's always kind of stuck with me whenever you preach as a pastor, you want your wife to be able to say amen that's pretty huge lot. yeah because she's the one who knows us the best right so my wife knows amen. me better than anybody so and there have been times nice. i finished i finished preaching and i'll sit down with krista and you you know my wife and i'll literally say can you still yeah. say amen to my preaching <laughs> and uh when she says yes i'm like all right then we're still headed in the right direction but that's a good word that's man exactly making right. sure that our walk and our talk actually line up now, I know you've been in ministry several years and you've been a soul winner during that time frame. My question is, has anything changed in your method of sharing Christ with others in our current culture?
1: There was a time of revival in church and it seemed in the early nineties people were coming back to the Lord and you could just pretty much get up and and you could you could preach on Jesus and people would you know were coming to the Lord. Mm-hmm. This generation seems to want to debate mm-hmm. and they want to um they want a lot more questions answered. So it's caused me and even now to study a little deeper and, um, realize that I face a, I face a culture. I grew up in a time, family intact. People went to church. That was understood. I'm growing up in a time. I'm pastoring now in a time where families in disarray. Mm. Sometimes people have never been in a church at all. And they got a lot of questions. And who is this God and how real is he? I don't think we have to just go overboard explaining everything in our lives here, but I do find myself wanting to be accurate in presenting the gospel with people. And they have a lot of questions. And so uh, it's caused me to study and in, in deepen in my walk with God. Yeah, that's good.
0: Uh, you know, it reminds me, too, of what the Scriptures say. We have always got to be ready to give an account of the hope that lies within mm-hmm. us. And a part of that is, is you know, learning apologetics so that we have Absolutely. a defense of our faith. And there are some key questions, obviously, that as we learn how to answer properly, and that's, that's the great thing, like, we're on the side of truth here, right? So we just need to learn how to articulate that truth to those who are questioning, you know, who is God? Why are we here? What's going to happen after our death? Those are key questions I think that reside within pretty much every single person. And the good news is, uh, we have the answers from scripture. So that's a, that's a great word Absolutely. Man. As, as we go to share the gospel, just be prepared to answer those questions. And and I think too, uh, Robbie, I know you've seen this as well. The more you share, the more you realize the questions that do come to you. They're all pretty much the same kind of questions. So it's not like you're running into new questions every single day. So you can equip yourself, and you can really get involved in sharing Christ.
1: Jew tells me, "Pluck them out of the fire." That's right. <laughs> With fear, you know. I That's mean, right. there are people. There are people who are eternities in the balance, and I want to share the gospel and. Their soul is, is is weighed in that. So I'm I, I want to give that defense. I want to give that reason for hope. And and knowing that that God is a, at work in my heart in that.
0: Yeah, that's 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 right, man. Hey, listen, I know you're leading an evangelistic church. Tell, tell maybe mm-hmm. tell us maybe a couple of things that your lay people have grabbed hold of that has led them to be more evangelistic.
1: Well, we keep. And and I share this with staff meetings, share this constantly, year-long. Evangelism's the forefront. Mm -hmm. You know, if if it's not about winning people, Jesus, why are we doing it? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think our people have caught up on me, every year we have, um, they used to be called years ago crusades, you'd call them revivals. Mm -hmm. Um, We have every year real evangelistic, intense time of bringing in an evangelist, soul-winning Going out door to door, we do a real uh, prayer time of listing lost people in our lives that we want to see God save and putting them up in 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 cards. We pray over them. And we're going to do that every year. We, 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 it works. We see people come to Christ, and you know, we keep evangelism in the forefront of our our people's mind. If if you're not sharing about evangelism, they're not doing evangelism.
0: Mm, that's good. That's very good. And it's it's kind of amazing, right? If, if you're not willing to talk to God about lost people, you probably will not be willing to talk to lost people about God. I,
1: and, you know, once you start praying for a lost person, that begins to really get part of your mind. Yes, it does. Yes, you know, it does. That begins to be a part of your heart. It begins to be a part of what God is speaking to you about. And, and you know, here's the fact of the matter. Our people sitting in our churches are around a lot more lost people than I am from the pulpit. That's right. Come on. And they need to know how to share their faith. And I've told them I've encouraged every one of my, church people to write out their testimony to be able to share what Christ did in them. A lot of our church people cannot even share their own testimony. And and it's simple things that we put in there, like a Wednesday night, did a whole series on personal relationship with God. I talked about testimony, write out your testimony. I had a pastor friend who years ago, he was from Louisiana, he said, go down to Cracker Barrel, sit down in a chair and write out your life story. You'll be amazed what God does. And I have encouraged people to write out their story of how God worked in their life, put it in their Bible, share it with their children, write a letter to their kinfolk about how they got saved. And it's amazing how God has moved in that, and people have been saved through that. Why couldn't a pastor, uh, pastors, I would encourage you, a Wednesday night series on, on your personal relationship with God, writing a testimony out, having your people do it even on a Wednesday night, That's right. and encouraging them to bring that back the next Wednesday night and share it with somebody in a pew. It is amazing. I'm going to tell you what happened in that too, Levi. When I was doing that one time, and people had to sit down and write it out, some of them realize they
0: wouldn't say mm, So you see people come to faith in Jesus even when you train them on how to share Jesus. <laughs> that's yes, pretty sir. awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, man, that's great. Yes, sir. Hey, listen, one one last question here. If you could go back in time and talk to yourself just beginning <laughs> ministry, what would you say to yourself?
1: Uh, a lot. Right. <laughs> uh, I would focus, Levi, if I was – I would tell my young self, focus mm-hmm. on God and don't get caught up in a bunch of stuff that means nothing. You know, keep, you, you know years ago, you used to hear, hear people say, keep the main thing the main thing. That's right. The main focus is Jesus, and I've wasted time doing things that really ain't going to make a bit of difference <laughs> in eternity.
0: That's good. Yeah, tell us the top three things you wasted your time on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't say a word. <laughs>
1: no, I'm kidding. Um, you know, I would tell a pastor also though, in the early days of my ministry, and I've been 33 years in ministry, Right. Um, in the early days, Levi, I wouldn't take off much. I wouldn't take care of myself much, mm, and mm. wouldn't take some time to get, you know, away and, sure. you know, just work, work, work. And I, I have a hard work ethic man I just go at it that's right and I learned through the years how to separate that and relax and get recharged go to conferences and listen to people Um, you know and I I go to the evangelism conference y'all have in Warner Robins how great is that Mm. to to get plugged in I would say get around those guys that do it and listen because they got stuff that God's put in their heart to give you and um You know, I I don't want to get to the point where I still don't want to grow, and I I would keep that in front of everyone. I want to grow, and uh, I'm not going to quit learning. I, I want to keep learning. That's right.
0: I'll tell you what, Robbie, I appreciate you being with us today, and I think you picked up on the fact that he has a heavy emphasis in the life of his church of training his people to do evangelism. And let me just remind you, if you're not already aware, here at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, we have an evangelism tool that is extremely simple to use. In fact, it's called No Sweat Evangelism, and if you're interested, you can get a hold of that just simply by going to nosweatevangelism.com. That's nosweatevangelism.com, you get a tool there that you can and train your church family in how to get into a gospel conversation and lead people to a point of decision. So take a look at that, no sweat evangelism.com. And again, I just want to really give a huge thanks to Robbie Foster for taking a little bit of time out of his day and really investing in all of us. So, Robbie, thank you once again for joining us here on this particular podcast.
1: Thank you, Levi. And let me uh, plug this for you so that you'll know, sitting on my desk right here uh is a no sweat evangelism <laughs> my man <laughs> booklet, my a little booklet That's yes awesome. sir that keeps it fresh in me too it is right here on my desk on my left side here and uh i i agree with you it's got to be in front so thank you for the opportunity appreciate what y'all are doing and uh let's win people to jesus
0: amen and with that note i appreciate you listening today to no sweat evangelism podcast